You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the PharmD Money Podcast, where certified financial planner Derek Delaney brings financial education and observation to help pharmacists navigate their most important financial questions. Welcome in PharmD Nation to episode number 104 of the PharmD Money Podcast. Thank you all for joining me today on this third installment of estate planning series on this podcast. We're going to dive into a topic that a lot of people are probably familiar with as far as the terminology, but are unfamiliar with how it actually works and how it could be applied to their specific life. And that is trusts. So a lot of people again are familiar with trusts, especially when they think about estate planning, where they go, well, I need an estate plan. I need to make sure that if I die, my kids or whatever, whoever beneficiaries get what I want them to give in the most efficient form as possible. And a lot of people's minds jump right to a trust and calling up an estate planning attorney and getting a trust created. And that's not to say that that is the wrong move. It's just you want to understand what trust can actually do to give you a better idea of if it's the actually appropriate estate planning tool you should be using given your financial situation. So in this podcast episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into trust and hopefully provide some light on if it is an estate planning tool you should be using or not, or potentially use in the future or not. But before we jump into that, I want to just give a brief overview of what a trust is. So essentially, a trust is a fiduciary arrangement that allows a third party or a trustee to hold assets on behalf of a beneficiary or beneficiaries. So again, it's usually some sort of document that is created by a lawyer and the language in the document states who the trustee of the assets are that are held inside of the trust for the benefit of some third party, which is a beneficiary or beneficiaries. So long story short, you could create a trust. The trust is a paper document. Inside that paper document, you will outline what assets of the trust go to who or when or whatever other stipulations are listed inside of there. In the individual or persons who are designated to carry out those wishes are the trustee of the trust. So there could be multiple people involved when it comes to creating a trust document and when it comes to executing on the purpose of the document for which it was created to begin with. So the big benefits of a trust are one, the biggest, in my opinion, is the assets that are held inside of the trust avoid probate. So you don't have to go through the long and potentially expensive process of distributing those assets through probate, which we talked about um, in a podcast prior. It's an easy way to control your wealth. It also is a way to provide greater protection to your legacy, and it allows you more privacy when it comes to your assets compared to going through the probate process. So there are big benefits of a trust, but it's not a end-all, be-all decision as far as you need to make a trust. You need to create a trust to make sure you have proper estate planning in place. That's not necessarily the case. Sometimes trusts can be beneficial. Other times, trusts are not needed because there are more efficient ways to transfer your assets to other people after you die. 
What really gets a lot of people confused, in my opinion, based off of the conversations I have had when it comes to trusts and are trusts appropriate for your certain situation is just the sheer volume of the different types of trusts out there and what they serve as a purpose for the individual circumstance they're applied to. So let's just walk over some of the most common types of trust that you maybe heard of or experienced or could potentially apply to your situation. In my opinion, the most common type of trust is a revocable trust. And essentially it's set up where the grantor, so the individual who has the assets that they want to put in the trust, lists themselves as the trustee, which allows them to remain in control of those assets and the trust outright. So if I were to create a trust and it's a revocable trust, I would still own the assets. I would still remain control of the trust. So at any time I could end the trust, I could change the language inside of the trust. But if something were to happen to me, at least the trust document is there to facilitate the disbursement of my assets if I were to die. But before we get to that point, I still have total control of everything. One of the downsides of a revocable trust is the assets are still subject to estate taxes, even if my assets are in that trust after I die. And estate taxes are important for those who are higher net worth individuals or higher net worth families, where if you die and your wealth is big enough, you could potentially experience estate taxes or death taxes at a state or federal level. And putting your assets inside of a revocable trust is not any sort of protection for those potential taxes happening down the road. So the flip side to a revocable trust is an irrevocable trust. So an irrevocable trust is a trust document that you could put your assets into, but you're giving up total control of those assets and total control of the trust once it's completed or once it's created. So you could take all of your net worth or a big majority of your net worth or assets or property or whatever you have, put it into a irrevocable trust, and you essentially are separating yourself for the rest of your life from those assets. It means you can't go in and change the trust after the fact. It means you can't go and switch stuff around. You can't take control back of those assets you put in those trusts. It's gone and it's out of your control forever. The benefit of doing that way or doing an irrevocable trust compared to a revocable trust is those assets then again get separated from you as an individual. So then those assets will obviously avoid probate and potentially avoid any estate taxes or death taxes you might experience personally when you die if your wealth is big enough. So a lot of people utilize irrevocable trusts to get assets away from them, to essentially disown them. So they will be distributed to whoever you want them to be distributed to when you die, but then you don't have or your estate does not have the the they do not have the obligation to have to pay estate tax on the assets that are in that revocable trust because essentially they're not your assets anymore. Another common type of trust that's used are a marital trust or what is referred to as an A trust. So marital A maritable maritable A trusts are designed to provide benefits to your surviving spouse. Um, bypass or B trusts are known as credit shelter trusts. These are established to bypass the surviving spouse's estate. So if you hear A trust, it means it's going to the surviving spouse. If you hear B trust, most likely it's going to avoid 
the surviving spouse's estate. Well, why would anybody want to create a bypass or B-trust? Well, these are very, very common when an individual is in their second marriage and that second husband or wife of theirs has kids from a different marriage and they don't want any of their personal assets to end up in the hands of those other children because they have nothing to do with that individual. So you may set up a bypass or B-trust in order to make sure that your assets go to your own blood kids. So that's where bypass or B-trust become very common. Other types of trusts you may run into or hear of are charitable lead trusts or charitable remainder trusts. So these serve um, the purpose of what you might think considering their name, and that is to provide some sort of benevolent um, benefit to a charity while also providing the grantor or the person who creates that type of trust some sort of tax break or deduction based off of whatever amount they are allowing to go to a charity, whether on the front end or the back end. And that will determine whether a charitable lead trust or a charitable remainder trust is most appropriate. Again, the charitable lead trust will provide benefits to the charity and the remainder of what's left over after the fact goes to your beneficiaries. The charitable remainder trust provides an income stream for a divine period of time to the grantor or other individuals, and the remainder, whatever is left over, goes to charity. And then again, with both of those, you get tax deductions, which makes charitable lead trusts and charitable remainder trusts um, appealing to certain individuals. And then finally, the last type of trust you might run into is an irrevocable life insurance trust, or coined more commonly as an ILIT. I-L-I-T, Irrevocable Life Insurance Trust. So this trust, again, you may recognize the irrevocable word in there, and that's very, very important. This type of trust is set up with a life insurance policy involved. And again, if you have a life insurance policy on your name and you die, the death benefit of that life insurance policy will be added back into your estate for estate tax purposes. And a lot of people go, well, I don't want that to happen. So what they do is they go and they create an irrevocable life insurance trust. So they have a life insurance policy on their name. Something or somebody is paying the premiums on that policy. And because it's in an irrevocable trust, when that individual dies, that life insurance policy pays out the death benefit, but that death benefit is not included on the overall estate of the individual who passed away, triggering the death benefit to be paid out. And the benefit of this is that life in, those life insurance proceeds from the deceased taxable estate are completely removed. So it's a big liquidity event for the beneficiaries that they can use those monies to pay for any other estate taxes or to pay out beneficiaries or to make things equal or equitable within the overall estate of that individual without those monies adding on to or increasing the overall estate of the original grantor or the person life insurance was on to begin with if their estate was big enough already to fall into any sort of state or federal estate tax um, limits or exceed any of those limits. So that life insurance money can use to pay those without adding additional taxation onto it to begin with. So that is an irrevocable life insurance trust, more commonly known as an ILIT, and that is used, again, to provide greater liquidity to the beneficiaries or to the estate without adding on to the estate from an estate tax or state death tax 
standpoint. And that is just getting into the basics of trust. If you think a trust is appropriate, my first recommendation is to have a conversation with a professional who specializes in that, which would be an estate planning attorney. Come to them, ask really, really good questions, get a give them a holistic view of what your estate looks like and what your goals are, and they are most likely to decide whether a trust in any of the forms we talked about thus far would be appropriate for you, or if there is a better way to achieve your estate planning goals. And maybe that could be utilizing other estate planning tools outside of a trust. And to add on to that, another great benefit is to have a financial professional who understands your specific situation to be able to sit in those meetings and collaborate with that estate planning attorney so you have two specialists working for your benefit in your best long-term interest. And that's exactly what I do with my clients, with my firm, when it comes to their estate planning needs. So there you have it. That's just basic trust information, education. Um, I hope it provides a little more clarity about how trusts are used or utilized within a person's estate plan and the different types of trusts and how they're utilized. So if you ever come across that information, again, hopefully it can spur a little bit of um, reminder in your mind that, hey, this trust does this, it does or does not apply to my specific situation. So I do or do not have to pay attention to the rest of this conversation or the rest of this article or the rest of this podcast of them talking about that specific situation. And again, if you're looking for a financial planner who is somebody who can sit alongside you along the estate planning process, especially when it comes time to sit with an estate planning attorney to make sure everything is working for your best interest comprehensively. FarmD Financial Planning serves as that type of financial planning firm, and that is the type of conversations and meetings I help my clients work through with their other professionals, specifically estate planning attorneys, when it comes to all this that we just got done talking about. So if that's something you're interested in learning more about, feel free to visit farmdfp.com to learn more about FarmD Financial Planning. And if you'd like, you're welcome to schedule a free consultation to discuss this or any other financial needs you have further or more in depth. And again, that is a completely complimentary process and it takes usually 15 to 20 to 25 minutes. So you really have nothing to lose in that regard. So feel free to head to my website and schedule that at your convenience. Finally, until next time, FarmD Nation, be well. The FarmD Money Podcast is not intended to be tax, legal, or investment advice. All opinions expressed on the show are for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for tax, legal, or investment advice.